Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. Talking about the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> that's the best topic there is or what? The kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked about it a lot. And he compared it to a lot of things. He said the kingdom of heaven, ah, it's like a fishnet. It's like mustard seed. Sometimes it's like leaven. Oh, it's even a treasure. All of these have a particular significance when it comes to understanding the kingdom of God. But today we're going to see that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who hired laborers. What do you think we're going to get from that? What I think we're going to get is there is still time to work for God. In this parable, we have five groups of laborers and we have three contracts for work. So we pick it up in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1. I love it because Jesus knows how to take these stories, you know, and he, he brings them right into everyday life. That's why he's the master teacher. So here's what he said. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven, it's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour. That would be like about 9 a.m. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And again, he went out about the sixth hour. This is like 12 noon. And then he went out at the ninth hour, oh, 3 p.m. And he did the same thing. And then at about the 11th hour, five in the afternoon, he went out. And he found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you guys standing around? <laughs> why have you been standing here all day? And they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, then you go out into my vineyard too. Now, this parable about the kingdom of heaven, it has a sense of reality to it for the first century people. Because back in those days, when someone needed laborers, they'd go downtown, because that's where people were looking for a day's work, and they would gather there and wait for opportunities to be hired. These people actually lived day to day, not like we have today. Most of us today, we know we've got a job, and that, that job waits for us every single day. But in those days, a day without work was a day without food for the family. And the fact that a man stood there all day long waiting to be hired, that was a credit to his character. Because he didn't have it within himself to create work. He had to wait for someone to come and give him work. Matthew marks out the times in this story according to Jewish time. So the Jewish day began at 6 a.m. So that's when the owner of the vineyard hired his first people. And then the third hour, as I said, was 9 a.m. 
the sixth hour, noontime, the ninth hour, 3 p.m., and the eleventh hour, 5 p.m. Now, these were the five groups of workers that went into the vineyard. The landowner owned a vineyard, and it was harvest time. So he hired pickers early in the morning. But as the day wore on, he noticed that he needed more workers. If the grapes were not brought in quickly, the coming rains would spoil. So he went out every three hours to hire more men. Even at 5 p.m., he still needed workers. Now, the contracts. Those hired at 6 a.m., they would receive a day's pay. A denarius. A day's pay. So let's say minimum wage was, what, seven fifty. I don't know what it is today, but say it's seven fifty. If they worked a twelve-hour day, they got ninety dollars. If it was a minimum wage of ten dollars, they'd get one hundred and twenty dollars for the day. Okay. So in verse two, when he had agreed with the laborers for a day's pay, he sent them into the vineyard. Then those that were hired at 9 a.m., he said to them, you go work in the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And they went. So they trusted the the vineyard owner that he would be fair. They weren't expecting a full day's pay, but that he would be fair. Then at 3 o'clock, he went out, same thing, 6th hour, ninth hour, and the deal was whatever is right, I will give you. But then the men hired at 5 p.m., they had no contract. They had no agreement. Hey, they were happy just to get some work. So whatever they got was more than they had. He didn't say, whatever is right, I will give you. He just said, go work in my vineyard. And they're like, hey, man, we'll go. It's an hour left of the day. We'll take it. And I wonder if these guys were the most noble group. And you know why I say that? Because these guys waited all day long for work. They didn't give up. They didn't like, oh man, we'll never get hired, let's go home. They did not set a particular wage. They waited as long as possible for an opportunity to go to work. And then in verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard, he said to his foreman, call the laborers pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour, they came, each one of them received, what? A denarius. They got a full day's pay for working an hour. Now, when those that were hired first at 6 (laughs) a.m., they thought they'd get more. But each of them got a denarius. Same amount. Hmm. When they received it, they grumbled. They grumbled at the landowner. And they said, hey, these last guys that you hired at 5 o'clock, they worked one hour. You made them equal to us. You gave them a full day's pay. We worked out there in the sun. We worked out there in the sweat. It was hot. We worked longer. We worked harder. We should get more. See, some people think that when they work, They're not just working with their eye on the job. They're working with their eyes on other people. You know anybody like that? Did you ever do that? You're working, but you're looking at the other guy. Is he working as hard as me? 
Is he doing what I'm doing? Is he talking too much? Is he dragging his feet? Ever do that? You know, people that do that, they compare their work to somebody else. So the landowner said, he said, listen, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius for a day's pay? Right? We contracted. You work all day and I'll give you a day's pay. Take what is yours and go. And if I wish to give to this last man the same as I give to you, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is mine? Are you in control of my money? Or don't I have control of my money? Is your eye envious because I am generous? Now, when Jesus told this parable of the kingdom, it was a warning to the disciples. Do not claim a special honor because you were chosen first for the work of the kingdom. Perhaps this was a mm, subtle rebuke to what Peter had said earlier. In Matthew nineteen twenty-seven, Peter said to Jesus, Oh, behold, we've left everything, and we've followed you. What then will there be for us? What are we going to get for following after you? Now, there's a man named C.J. Montefiore. He lived from 1858 to 1938. And he was a significant figure in Judeo-Christian thought. And here's what he said. There are people who think that because they've been members of a church for a long time, the church practically belongs to them. And they can dictate its policy. Such people resent what seems to them the intrusion of new blood or the rise of a new generation with different plans and different ways. Huh, isn't that common today? People claim ownership of a church. They claim ownership, how about this, of a seat. Hey, you're in my seat. I've been sitting in that seat for 25 years. That's my seat. Wow. He said in the Christian church, seniority does not necessarily mean honor. Seniority doesn't mean honor. And isn't that true today? We see in churches that people have been there a long time, so they want to run the show. And they want to set policy. And they're going to make all the judgments. Kind of like these guys in the vineyard. Hey, you hired us first. So we should have a say in who gets paid what. (laughs) This is a warning to the Jews as well. See, they were God's chosen people in the beginning. And they saw no room in the kingdom for Gentiles. Ain't that a kicker? God chose the Jews to evangelize the world. But instead, they kept God to themselves and they kept the Gentiles out. But in God's economy, there's no such thing now as a most favored nation clause. Even America, we're not God's favored nation. No nation is. God doesn't have a favored nation. But you know what he does have? A favored people. And that's the church. And the church is found in every nation. So the church is the one now that has the calling to go out into the world and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So what are some things that we can learn from this parable? I got a couple. Number one, it reveals the comfort of God, how comfortable God is, that no matter when a person comes to Christ, he is equally dear to him. In other words, whether a person comes to Christ early on, the middle of their life, or the very end of their life, the Lord loves them all. He loves them all. And he doesn't show favoritism to any of them. And those that have come to Christ when they were young should not cast an evil eye at the thief on the cross, at the one that gets saved on their deathbed, because the Lord rejoices in all salvations. We have to remember that. Secondly, it reveals the compassion of God. In his compassion, the landowner gave them work to do, and he rewarded them greatly. I mean, think about it. What would a one-hour wage do for someone? Let's say, let's say minimum wage was $7.50 an hour, and somebody hired you for an hour. How are you going to feed your family with $7.50? How are you going to do that? You're going to go home and buy five packs of ramen noodles with a 1,000 milligrams of salt in each pack. That's going to be healthy, right? You eat, you eat ramen noodles, watch out. Those things will kill you. They'll stop your heart. Stop your heart. Oh, yeah. So you know, the, the landowner's thinking, He's, yeah, I know they didn't work as long as everybody else, but I want to help them feed their family. And an hour's pay is not going to feed their family. So I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to pay them for the day so they can go home and feed their family. Maybe they worked in the vineyard one hour, but they, they worked standing up downtown for 11 hours trying to get a job. So I'm going to bless them. Thirdly, it reveals the spirit of the workers. See, one group had a contract. They agreed Okay, we're going to work for you for a day's pay. We'll put in the 12 hours, and you give us a day's pay. So that's what they all agreed on. It was conditional. But the last group, they just wanted an opportunity to work. They figure, we'll go home with something. I don't even, I'm sure they weren't expecting a day's pay. They were expecting the 750. And I'll go home, and we'll buy some bread. And we'll have some bread. Maybe we can scrounge up a couple of potatoes. We'll make a potato sandwich. And that will feed all the kids. you got four kids. We'll feed everybody with a potato sandwich. And that's about all 750 might buy. But you see, the landowner, he had a heart of compassion. That's why. So he said, I'm going to bless these guys. I like what William Barclay said. He's one of my favorite writers. He said, a man is not a Christian if his first concern is pay. The Christian works for the joy of serving God. And that's important. You know, especially in the kingdom of God, we don't compare ourselves to others. Don't look at how much someone else is doing. But focus on what God gave you to do. You know, Jesus even said something like that. He said, no man that's plowing a field, if he turns his head and looks left or right or turns back, is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Why? Because when you're plowing a field, you got to be focused and look where you're going. I used to think it was about making straight lines. God wants straight lines in his field. But no, that's not it, dummy. Wake up. You know what it was? When, when they plowed, they had wooden plows. The blade of the plow was wood. And they had to look where they were going. You know why? Because if they didn't, they could hit a rock or a root, and they could bust the front of the plow, and now they're out of business for a day or two until they go repair it or have another plow made. So that's why Jesus said, if you turn back from what you're called to do, you're not fit for the kingdom. If you're a farmer and you're plowing, and you're distracted, and you're looking left and looking right, and your head's in the clouds, and you're in la-la land, and you bust your plow, what kind of farmer are you? Now you're going to be way behind schedule and plowing your field. So focus on your work, and don't worry about what's going on around you. That's the key right here. This is why maybe Jesus said, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Think about that. Hey, you know what? It's all the grace of God. Isn't it? Isn't it good just to be in God's grace? I think so. I think that that's the blessing right there, to know that you're in God's graces. Man, that's, that's the best place to be. Now, when some people, when some people interpret this parable, they say those that were called first, that's John the Baptist. Then, those that were called at 9 a.m., that's Jesus. Then, those that were called at 12 noon, that's the Great Commission, the disciples, after Jesus ascended into heaven. Then, those that were called at 3 p.m., these are the apostles, as that we read about in the book of Acts. And then, those that are called at 5 p.m., oh, that's the church-age Christians. That's us. Hey, we are living in the 11th hour. Do you believe that? I do. Oh, yeah. I believe we're on the verge of the end. We are the workers called at 5 p.m., the close of the day. I don't think it'll be long before we hear that last trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which remain who are alive will be caught up to, together with Christ in the clouds of the air, and forever we will be with the Lord. That's what Paul said. So, while you're working this last hour in the kingdom of God, let's be filled with joy in serving God, the God that we live for. Be filled with joy. And when the weekend comes, real oh, Sunday, it's the Lord's Day, I'm going and praise Him. I'm going and sing to Him. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to draw close to Him through His Word. I'm going to edify His people. See, use Sunday in your local church as a day to really, it's like, it's almost like payday. It's a day of refreshment. It's a day of regeneration. That's why you don't want to skip church. That's the dumbest thing to do. Skip church, unless you're dying of a sickness or something. But don't skip church. So imagine how different your life would be if this was your motto. I live for Sunday morning. I live for Sunday. I live for the weekend. You know, don't believe that commercial. Weekends weren't made for Michelob. No. Weekends were made to worship the Lord. 
That's what they were made for. And having that anticipation all week long, you know when that anticipation begins? Huh, on Monday. <laughs> Monday, I start anticipating Sunday. Actually, some churches have services on Wednesday like we do. Man, that's a good one too. Get there. Get to church. So let's make an application. Here we are. We're the workers at 5 p.m. The day, the age is coming to a close. We have to really ramp it up. You know, like 5 o'clock, man, they get to pick those grapes faster because it's going to get dark and the rains are coming and the day is over. Get out there, two hands, picking those grapes. We have to work faster too. So let's make an application. Number one, be in church. Make a commitment to church attendance and be a lively part of your local church. Don't just be an observer. Be a participant. Number two, bring people to church. Isn't that why we bring people so they can hear the gospel? They can have an opportunity to receive Christ as their Savior. Thirdly, be active in the church. Find a way to serve. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. You can park cars, hand out bulletins, pour coffee, vacuum the rug, turn on the lights, teach children. There's all kinds of stuff to do. Nobody's left out. Imagine this mindset. What goes on here in the church on weekends is the most important thing compared to what goes on all week long in your life. Imagine that. Why? Because the business that we're in in the church is about saving souls and changing lives. That's the business we're in. Bringing people to Christ. That their souls can be eternally saved. And that while they're living on the earth, their lives can be changed. Oh yeah, for the better. And you know what we have found? Now we have found something very worthwhile to live for. Something worthwhile. You know, so many things in life are enjoyable. People like sports. People like music. People like family gatherings. And all those things are good. They make up life. But the most worthwhile thing is that which has eternal value. And the sports will not have eternal value nor the hobbies, nor even the family gatherings will not have eternal value, like what we do for the kingdom of God. That is an eternal ramification. That's what makes our lives worthwhile. So, you know, it's a refocusing. I think this is a good message to refocus on who we are as followers of Christ. Who are we? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? It means to put him first, to love him above all things, to love him above all people, to love him above myself. That's what it means to be a true follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And don't worry, he'll put everything else in your life in a better order. Oh yeah, he will. He'll put it all in a better order. Now, next time we're together, oh, he has another one. Next time, the kingdom of heaven, I like this one, is like a wedding. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding. See, a wedding is a joyful time, right? Well, so is the kingdom of heaven. We get so many people, when they think about God, 
And when they think about Jesus, they, they, it's like they soak their head in a pickle jaw. They just don't get it. And this ugly face comes over them because they don't understand the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding. They don't understand that. So next time, this is, let's, let's get people far from God to listen to this one. This one could be for the unbeliever. And maybe they're in a place where, you know, I don't know where I am with God. I need more input or I need more insight. I need more understanding about, well, who, who is God and what does he want from me? And well, this will be a good one. The kingdom of heaven. It's like a wedding. And you know, when you go to a wedding, there are many stages involved, right? There's, when you go as a guest, there's, uh, the invitations, there's a response, there's the meal, there's the gift, there's the gathering, there's the celebration. And we're going to compare, or Jesus will show us that, you know what? Heaven's like that. Oh yeah, heaven. That you're going to be invited, but you got to respond. Just like a wedding. You can't say nothing and think there'll be a place for you. You got to respond to the invitation. So that's what's going to happen. But it's good news all around. All around. And we as God's people, as Christ followers, we have to do a better job of making the kingdom of heaven more appealing. Because I think sometimes we don't make the best representation of Christ. And we have to be intentional. We have to really work, work on our walk with him. So our lives can be more appealing. And when the unbeliever sees us, they might have more of an inkling, more of an interest to want to know the Lord Jesus. That's the key. Hey, didn't Paul say that we're the letter known and read by all men? People far from God, chances are they won't pick up a Bible to see what God is like, but they'll watch the Christian to see what God is like. Oh, let me see what this God is like. Let me watch that guy. Let me watch that girl. And they'll, they'll form an opinion. So what do they see? Something good, I hope, right? We want them to see the good aspects of who God is. Read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit produce those virtues within you. Then they'll have a pretty good picture of what God is like. Thanks for coming along. Hey, find this message again at the Hope Club Podcast. That's all you need to know. The Hope Club Podcast. Today's message, the kingdom of heaven. It's like a landowner who hired laborers, okay? And we are the laborers in the five o'clock hour. Let's make it count. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time.